Well, good morning, church. We are the church, even though we're not gathered together here in this place, we're gathered together in spirit and in truth. And so I welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as we gather together. This is not a good substitute for actually being together. I miss your smiles, your hugs, our conversations, all of the things that fellowship is really made up of. But we're trying our best to continue to stay in as close a contact as we can with our church family throughout the course of the week. Turn with me this morning. Uh, Derek had you here earlier in Ephesians chapter 1. If you'll turn back there with me again, I want to read a couple of verses there yet again. While you're turning, though, I'd like to uh, have your ear just a moment in relation to FBU, First Baptist University. We want to continue having our FBU classes. Even though you can't be here because our classes are too large, they exceed the, the limit of what we're supposed to have as we gather together, we want to continue our First Baptist University. So we're going to be doing that online. So uh, maybe already up on the website, but definitely by uh, this afternoon, uh, the classes will be up on uh, our website, and you'll be able to have a virtual reality, virtual class with us as well. Some of them you'll even be able to respond to. So we're excited about that. Please make it a point uh, this afternoon, this evening, to tune in there with us, and we're going to have a great time as we continue to grow in the Lord. As you're turning there to Ephesians chapter 1, let me kind of take you way back, all right? Let me take you back to elementary school. It's time for recess. This is the day of the week that we play kickball. And so the captains have been chosen, and you all line up around the brick wall. And now what's about to happen next? Some of you are beginning to get uneasy, <laughs> Some of you might even be breaking out in a little bit of a sweat. Why? What is it that you're afraid of? What is it that concerns you so much right now? Concern whether or not you will be chosen. And what is the thing we dread most? Come on. To be chosen last. I mean, that's just like being rejected, isn't it? To be chosen last. That's what we all fear. It feels horrible to be chosen last last. But it really feels great to be chosen, doesn't it? And, and what if you're chosen first? What does that communicate to you? What does that say that you are wanted, that you're needed, that you have a significant role here to play? It really feels good to be chosen, and especially chosen first. The, the pain of being chosen last is met by the extreme pleasure of being chosen at all. You know, being chosen means so much to us. It blesses me every day that my precious wife chose me. She, she chose to be my wife, and she rechooses me every morning. I rechoose her every morning. This is a, it is a wonderful experience of being chosen. Listen to me. If you've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, if he has saved you from your sins, listen to me. You have been chosen. You have been chosen. And that's what our, our message is about today, being chosen and appointed by God. Now, Derek read this earlier, but I want to go over it one more time. That precious sentence from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. 
Oh, I love this sentence. I, I can camp out here and preach four, five, six sermons just right here. But read over this with me again from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And look at this. Just as He chose us. You see that? Paul is writing this. But he's referring back to the reality that Jesus taught. Just as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which we are accepted in the beloved. Whew, there are so many good themes there. There are so many things we can pursue. But I just want you to focus on that one place that I emphasized. That Paul says, we are chosen in Jesus Christ. Chosen in him from before the foundation of the world. Listen, there has never been a time that Jesus Christ has not loved you. There has never been a time that you are not chosen in Him. Think about that. It wasn't just some time in your life when you were 5 or you were 10 or you were 15 or you were 50 that all of a sudden God decided to love you or all of a sudden God decided to choose you. No, the Bible teaches us so very clearly that you and I were chosen in Him from before the foundation of the world. This is so powerful. So go with me now to John chapter 15. We're back into our, our series on the 15th chapter of John where it starts out talking about that, that Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, the Father is the vine dresser. This is that powerful same truth. But now as we see the reality of this abiding in Christ, we're seeing what is the fruit? What is the outgrowth of us abiding in Christ and him abiding in us. So as we turn to John chapter 15, let's focus this morning on verses 16 and 17. Will you read them along with me? Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you, that you love one another. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we come before you right now, I ask you to just enable us to open our hearts to the message that you have for us. That Holy Spirit, you would just wonderfully surround us wherever we are, sitting in our den, maybe at our office at work, wherever we may happen to be, just surround us right now. And may the truth of your word come home. We ask in the name of the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today I want us to really mine deeply some of the truths that God has given us about us being chosen and appointed by him. I want you to understand that you and I are each and every one his fruit. We are his fruit. 
And that's because we have been grafted into the vine of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are the result, we are, are what happens when God's love is shed abroad in the hearts of mankind. And His fruit always leads to eternal life. So we are not only His fruit, we are His fruit bearers. In this 15th chapter of John, we're told over and over again that we are the branches and that the fruit is what happens when we're abiding deeply in Him and His love. And as His love and as all of the energies and the power of God Himself flows up through Jesus, it flows out through us and naturally produces fruit. So this morning, let's go to these two verses and just really dig deeply into what God is telling us, what it means to be chosen and appointed. First of all, verse 16, Jesus has chosen us. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, I find that a little strange to a degree. Do you? When he said, you did not choose me. I mean, there's a sense that that's not true. I mean, I did choose to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I did choose to receive him into my heart and life. And as I look at the disciples, they chose to follow Jesus. I mean, he didn't hogtie them. Uh, he didn't have a bridle and bit in their mouth to drag them along, even if they weren't willing. They chose to be with him. They chose to follow him. In John chapter 1, in verse 37, we find Andrew following Jesus before Jesus had even addressed him, let alone called him. And then Andrew turned to get his brother to come as well. So there is this sense that we do choose. But I want to put that in its context, okay? For just a moment, let's turn this sentence around. Let's say that Jesus said, I did not choose you, but you chose me. Well, now, what would that mean if he put it that way? It, it would mean that Jesus would be saying, I'm not bound to you. Uh, you wanted to come along. It was, it was your idea. If the going gets rough, don't come crying or whimpering to me. It's your choice, man. I don't have any stake in the matter. But see, that's not what Jesus said. He, he said just the opposite. You did not choose me. I chose you. And so the meaning that I get from this is your presence, Jesus is saying, your presence here is my doing. And I take full responsibility for you following after me. I, I know you agreed to join me in this work, but deep in your heart you know I was the one who laid claim to you. And then you answered and said yes to me. Here's what I want you to know. If you chose to follow Christ, it was because he first chose you. That's always going to be true for anyone. Anyone who ever chooses to follow Jesus Christ, it's because first Christ chose them. Where do I get that from? First John chapter 4 and verse 19, where Jesus said, we love him because he first loved us. I think we can also deduce that we chose him because he first chose us. Well, Brother Fred, does this obligate Jesus uh, to, to keeping me? Well, yes and no. He is obliged by his own choice of us to see to it that he is with us and provides us with everything we need to lead that abundant life. But then it's our choice 
to partner with Him in obedience, in seeing all of that powerful uh, sap of the love of God flowing through us. That's how that happens. Let me share with you a quote. Jesus will not lightly let His wisdom be scorned. Therefore, He will not look lightly on our cry for help. When we say, Lord, you chose me. You're not fickled. You're not short-sighted. You're not impulsive. Your choices have weight in eternity in them. You will not let your chosen one be ruined. Help me, Lord. Such a plea, if it comes from the heart, he cannot ignore. His wisdom and constancy and reliability are at stake. That's from Warren Wiersbe, one of my heroes, one of the great commentators that's in many ways shaped my own life. So here is the truth. Here's the truth. You nor I ever chose Jesus apart from him first drawing us to himself. John 6, 44, powerful truth. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Look, had Jesus not drawn me to himself, I would have never come to faith in him. If his love did not beckon to me from the sermon that that pastor preached, if that love had not been embodied in my cousin and aunt that that loved me and shared the gospel with me and shared the truth of God's word to me, I wouldn't have come to him. None of us can claim that it was all our idea. That one day we just woke up and said, I'm going to radically change my life. I'm going to give my life over to Jesus. No. Always he is drawing us to himself. And that's why we are drawn then to him. Because he knows us. He's known us from before the foundation of the world. He was there to fashion us in our mother's womb. Jesus said these words in John 10, verse 3. My sheep hear, uh, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. That's how well God knows you. That's how intimately he knows you. Out of all of the billions of people on planet Earth at any given one time, he knows his children by name. So here's what I want you to know. Your choice of him was preceded by his choice of you. And because he chose you, he has a stake in your life and in mine that we succeed in the Christian pilgrimage, all right? But look, what I want you to see is not only were we chosen, we were also appointed. There in verse 16, chosen and appointed you. To be chosen has to do with our being. To be appointed has to do with our doing, okay? We're chosen to be, but we're appointed to do. He said, and I have appointed you. Now, I want you to let those words just linger in your heart a moment. I have appointed you. When you're appointed, you're appointed to something. You're appointed to to do something. You're chosen to be something, but you're appointed to do something. So Jesus says we are appointed. Appointing has to do with our purpose. Did you know each and every one have a purpose? God didn't just draw you to himself and choose you just to have you. He he chose us to appoint us. 
that we might be in him, but there's something that we're to do. We're going to get into that in just a few moments. But I want you to grasp, he has appointed us to something, to partner with him in the kingdom enterprise, to be with him in the family business. We're appointed. We have a place. Let me put it like this. We're not called to just sit. You know what fruit does when it just sits? It spoils and it sours. You know saints do the same thing? When saints just sit, they spoil and they sour. God didn't call us to sit. He called us to a purpose. He called us to ministry. Look, folks, once you get this, it's going to radically change your concept of church. It's going to radically change who you understand you are as part of the people of God. You see, we're not called to come and just, just be ministered unto. We're called to gather so we can go minister. Very different. You see the difference? It's the difference from being a spectator and being a participant. It's the difference of being a recipient and being one who gives instead. I'm afraid the American church today has deteriorated into being a club that expects the benefits of membership rather than being an army that's called to attention to go forth and to serve. And it's so far. The church of Jesus Christ in America today is so far from the biblical model. I'm not sure that it's recognizable today. We're chosen and appointed to be about his ministry. Listen, every born-again child of God, every believer in Jesus Christ, listen, is called to ministry, is called to service, without exception. And not only are we called, God tells us in his word that we are uniquely gifted for ministry as well. So every believer in Jesus Christ has a ministry. What's yours? What's the ministry that God has called you to be engaged in? See, well, I've never thought about Brother Fed. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. Let me tell you about our FBU class that's called Discovering Your Shape for Ministry. God has uniquely shaped you to be part of the family business. He's uniquely shaped you to be a part of the kingdom enterprise by your spiritual gifts, by your heart, by your experiences, uh, by, by the way he, uh, uh, your personality and all of the things that have happened to you in your life. He takes all these together to uniquely shape you into the unique person you are so that you could be involved in ministry. Because we're chosen, that's who we are. But we're appointed to do. That's what that whole class is about. If, if you're not taking it this uh, quarter, you'll get to take it next quarter. I want you to be engaged and understand what your shape is for ministry. Though we, we choose to say yes to him because he first chose us. When he appoints us, he appoints us to be about the Father's business. Now, listen to me very carefully. We're chosen, 
and we're appointed to something. So what is the something that we are appointed to? Look, I have appointed you that you may go and bear fruit. I have chosen you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. We've been talking about this fruit stuff now for months, haven't we? What is engaged in this bearing of fruit? We've talked about several different aspects of fruit bearing. But there's one critical part that I need for us to really focus on today. And that's bearing the fruit of love that leads people to faith in Christ. The fruit of love that leads people to faith in Christ. We just finished studying that part of the fruit of abiding in Christ is abiding in His love. And, and that love carries with it a whole brand new commandment that Jesus gives us, that we're to love one another with the same intensity and power and passion that we're loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. When you love a lost world, when you love your lost family members, when you love your lost neighbors, with that kind of love, it becomes irresistible. And they're seeing the love of God in their lives. And so the fruit we're looking at here is the, 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 the sap of the love of God flowing through the vine, which is Jesus, and out through the branch, which is you. And it drops the fruit of that love as you love other people. And they then come to faith in Christ as well. We're called and appointed to a purpose. And that purpose is to be about bearing fruit. That is so incredible. But look, here's where we need to learn from history, folks. I want to take you on a, a quick, quick run through history of the Old Testament because it's imperative to understand where we are right now, even in the midst of what else is going on in our nation and world today with this incredible pandemic. Way back in the 12th chapter of Genesis, God called a man that would then from his loins have a nation. And that nation would be called and appointed for a purpose. In that Abrahamic covenant, let me read it to you from Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Now listen. I will bless you, that's a good thing, and make your name great, that's a wonderful thing, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you or through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Did you get that? He's saying, I I'm calling you. I'm choosing you. You know, you've heard of the chosen people, okay? The Jews, they were the chosen people. He's, they were chosen of God. To what purpose? He appointed them. What was the purpose? Not just to get blessed, but to be a means by which every nation on planet Earth might be blessed. 
that through them, through the intimate relationship that they have with God and the very special love relationship they have with God, that then this expands to all of the nations and all the way around the world to where the world is blessed because God has chosen a people to communicate his love and grace throughout the world. Now, the sad news of biblical history is this. Our Jewish forefathers didn't do this. They misunderstood the blessing. They thought God blessed them because they were special folks, that he had called them to be just special folks, to, to bear this blessing and be different from anybody else in the whole wide world. And, and so they were proud of their difference, and, and they huddled in their small communities worldwide, especially after the dispersion. And they were their own unique, different little group. And because they were different, and because they were not being a blessing to the world, more and more they became hated and despised. Fast forward from Abraham's time now to the time where God became a man, when, when God invaded humanity with his son, Jesus Christ. He found a people who were not blessing the nations, but were drawing up very tightly among themselves. They were harboring the blessing. They were not sharing the blessing. And so according to the Scriptures, what did God do? He called forth a new people of God. And they're known as the church. The church is the new people of God. Of God. That doesn't disavow who the Jews are, and I don't go reading something into this that's not there. But the new people of God, the, the remnant, were those that understand the blessing we receive is a blessing that we give. And so what caused the early church to grow with such incredible uh, power was the love that they were receiving from God through Jesus Christ was infectious, and they were sharing it to anyone and everyone that they could talk to. And so the blessing was blessing others. And the power and the growth of the early church came out of that blessing that they were not just hoarding this for themselves, but they were the conduit to where every nation on the planet could be blessed. What drove the, the early missionary movements was just this. But now we come to the church of America today. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply concerned, friends. I'm deeply concerned that we are repeating the same tragic mistake of our forefathers. The same tragic misunderstanding that we're God's special and peculiar people and, and he loves us and he doesn't love them and so we, we harbor our blessings and we, we hold on tight to our blessing and that's why the church is drying up and its power and its influence is losing ground rather than being a means by which this whole planet is blessed. We, we, we see the church of Jesus Christ today, especially here in America, very much as a country club. This is where we gather. You know, this is where we come together and we get all the benefits and, and, and the air conditioning or the heating is just right and the sermon pleases us and the music is just what we want. And we get blessed. And then we go home. 
Have you ever thought why it's so hard to find a picture of the church as we know it today in the Bible? It's because the church as we know it today didn't exist in the Bible. The church wasn't a group of people that came together out of their membership and just enjoyed all the privileges of membership. They saw themselves as the army of God, called to attention and assigned to be about sharing the blessing. Can I bring this back now to John chapter 15? We are chosen and we are appointed to bear fruit, to let the love of God flow through us in such a way that it becomes so desirable to the world around us. That they say, I want what you've got. I want that kind of intimacy with God. I want that healing of my soul. And I want that purpose in my life. I fear we're not doing that. I fear we're missing the message. We are called, chosen, appointed to bear fruit. And when we do that, and that fruit is genuinely rose right out of the cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ. That kind of fruit is permanent. It remains. It's always going to be there. Why? Because when people receive that love, when they receive the Lord Jesus Christ, what they receive is eternal life. Eternal life forever and ever the fruit that grows out of the love of God expressed in the cross and the empty tomb is a fruit that lasts forever. Derek was telling us here just a, uh, about a week or two ago that he had a family come and visit with him. And, and when he was a youth minister years and years ago, that this the, these family was, was in his youth group. And now they've got kids of their own and they moved to another state and so on. And, and they came together and they shared a lot of uh, memories and such. And I said, you know, Derek, they came not to honor you, but honor the one who flowed that love through you. And then, it, and then they responded. They came to honor the vine, not the branch. They're the fruit, not the fruit of the branch, the fruit of the vine. I got a, a message here a while back from a young man. and Well, actually, he's in his mid-40s right now, but he was in a youth group when I was a pastor years ago. He said, Brother Fred, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I was one of those kids that was always at the very back of the youth group. I was there for all of the fun times. Uh, I was there to go on the trips or, or whatever, but never was there in church much, never cared much about what you were saying and preaching at the time. But he said, I've come to a point in my life now that so many of those things that you said are beginning to ring in my heart. And I've given my heart to Christ. And now I feel like he may be choosing me to be a minister. Can that happen this late in my life? Larry and I talked and I said, you know, I, I just barely remember that young man being on the periphery of my life. I would have never counted him as being fruit of my ministry. Because he, he never blossomed to, to fruition then. But you know, 
the seeds that Holy Spirit was planting in his life through me. Those seeds were eternal. And now they're bringing fruit. And now they've already borne fruit of his salvation. But now they're bearing fruit even of his calling to ministry. That's nothing for me to brag about. But boy, I can brag on Jesus about this. Because you see, the fruit that we bear that flows out of the love of God that's coming through us, out through the branch, then that fruit is eternal. It's forever. So, as we move to this time of an invitation, Ed's coming to the keyboard, and it's time for us to say, so what? So what to what Brother Fred has shared with us today? Well, here's the so what. First of all, first of all, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know that you have been chosen by him? Right now, I want you to know something. Even through this sermon, even though it's recorded, even through this sermon, Holy Spirit is not in any way hampered to be able to speak to your heart and draw you to Jesus even now. So that tugging you feel in your heart, that desire to have purpose and meaning, the desire to have your sins forgiven and have a new life in Christ, that's Holy Spirit working on you right now. So what can you do? You can simply just pray and receive him into your life. This very moment, sitting right there at home, wherever you are, it's a private, personal moment between you and God. And so let me just, let me just pray with you right now. Pray along with me where you're sitting right now. Pray along with me and just say, Oh God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner in need of your grace and mercy. But I dare to believe right now that when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. And when you rose again from the grave, it was to give me your eternal life. I want to receive that right now, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. I want you to be my boss. I want you to be the king of my life. I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me. I want to give you my life as best I know how. I sense right now that you're drawing me to yourself, that, that you've chosen me, so now I want to choose you. Come, Lord Jesus. Be the boss in my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now, now look at me for just a moment very carefully. Not only are you chosen, he's even appointed you right now to be a vital part of his family be engaged with him in kingdom work. So now I'm speaking to all of you who are believers in Christ right now. Doesn't it feel good to be chosen? Doesn't it feel good that you're important enough to him that he has appointed you to have a place in his family business, in his kingdom enterprise? Yes. But that's not a position to just be proud of. It's a role that we're to have you found your unique place in ministry? Are you willing to ask him? Are you willing to find that place? Here again, even now, though we're separated by miles and connected only by media, that doesn't mean that he can't minister to you right now. Would you pray with me right now? And let's ask Jesus to open the world of ministry to you. 
and you just embrace, I'm not only chosen, but Lord Jesus, I understand you've appointed me to be a vital part of what you're doing in the world today. Pray with me right now. Dear God, many of my brothers and sisters right now, they rejoice in having been chosen, but they have never grasped that they're appointed to be engaged with you in ministry. Finding ways to minister inside the church and ways to minister outside the church. But right now, Holy Spirit, you've just opened their minds to a whole new vista. So right now, may my brothers and sisters just pray with me and say, Dear God, tired of sitting. I've had those times that I've soured and even spoiled. But I'm ready to serve. Even in this time where there's so many fears and so many unknowns. Lord Jesus, I want to serve. I want to ask you, what have you appointed me to do? You've called me to be, to be a believer of Christ. But now what have you called me to do? hearts open before you as as I just seek your face as I I take FBU courses help me to know what it is you've called me to do I pray in your name Lord Jesus amen and finally this here's the purpose we're appointed and chosen to be bearing fruit who do you know that doesn't know Jesus do you know anyone that doesn't know the Lord? Then, then here's what I want to ask you to pray. Pray, Holy Spirit, help me see somebody that doesn't know you. I, I live my life sometimes so sheltered and protected, and especially during these days when we have to be careful with social distancing. Lord, surely there's somebody. Surely there's somebody I can be praying for. Surely there's someone I can give a call to or write a letter to or reach out somehow in your love to yeah there's somebody even now Holy Spirit is beginning to quicken your mind as to who that may be you see this is fruit fruit of his love flowing right through your heart and seeking a place to where it can be deposited so as we're dismissed today and pray this last time prayer is going to be that he might open our eyes to the fruit he wants to bear in our hearts and lives. Will you pray with me again? Lord Jesus, we accept that we've been chosen and appointed. But now we're challenged that there's a reason for that, a purpose to our lives. You've chosen us and appointed us to go and bear fruit. To let your love flow through us in a purposeful, intentional way that those who don't know you yet can come to know you. Father, will you break the bonds of this social distancing right now? Will you somehow help us to get creative and inventive as to how we can share the love that has just so saturated our lives with those who need it so desperately? not being dismissed now to leave this facility, but we are being dismissed to leave the confines and take the love of Christ to a world that so desperately needs it. Will you let it be so, Lord Jesus? And until we can meet again, 
until we can hug one another in our arms and shake hands and, and just be physically together. Will you keep our brothers and sisters in Christ? Will you let them know your love and the love of their ministers and their deacons and their teachers and servants here? May that love saturate us. Dismiss us to be about our Father's business in that love. And in the name of our Lord Jesus, do we pray. Amen. God bless.